Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Robert Yeager and the Tao Foundation. Let's go. Ready? From the top. favorite shows on TV have 12 minutes of advertising. I can't get behind that kind of time. Eat quickly, drive faster, make more money now. I can't get behind that. My kids say, he said to me and I'm like, and he's like, and she's like, it's all, he's all, she's all. I can't get behind that kind of like English. That'll be six to eight weeks before delivery. The rising oceans, the warming temperatures. The dying polar bears, no tigers in 50 years. Rising poison in the air and water. I can't understand why the price of gas suddenly rises when oil goes up. But takes months to go down long after oil falls. I can't get behind any of that. I can't get behind the gods who are more vengeful, angry, and dangerous if you don't believe in them. Why can't all these gods just get along? I mean, they're omnipotent and omnipresent. All right. So, so, uh, welcome to a call-in show uh, involving you and me. And, you know, if we start doing it every Monday, maybe we will call it. I can't get behind that. Although, you have to be careful with titles like that. I learned this recently. I was going over some old John Stewart clips for this course that I'm teaching. And he pointed out at a certain point um, when after Je- Jeff Zucker took over CNN, they started a panel show that was called Get to the Point. And, and John Stewart said, it's as if they mistook what people are yelling at the screen when they watch CNN for an idea for a title. Uh, and, and I can't get behind that. My, fall into the same category. Okay, so here's the plan. I'm going to give you the phone number. You can call in. You can call in about anything. I don't know. I might not take the call if it's like too weird, or I probably would take the call if it was very weird. I'm going to be talking about Florida while you're going to be doing that. So, and you may have things to say about that as well. I've got other stuff on my list, but I have quite a bit to say about Florida. So anyway, here's the number, 888-720-WNPR. You may want to chime in about Florida because my basic question, I'll give out the number again, 888-720-9677, if you're not into the alphanumeric thing. If you're into the alphanumeric thing, it's 888-720-WNPR. All right, so several things about Florida. I mean, just to back up, what I would say is, and one thing that occasioned this, I was talking to my ex-wife about this couple that we used to know, that we still know. And they're like the nicest people in the world. They're very, very smart and very kind of cultured and educated people, you know, and interested in the arts. The kind of people, I mean, you know, I would run into them like at Hartford Stage or something, you know. And they moved to Florida. And I just like don't get it. You know, I, I don't understand why you would do that. I mean, I would understand – if Florida were like Australia used to be, it would be a place where you were sent into exile or as a convict or something, you know, not volitionally. <laughs> the idea that people voluntarily move to Florida, I do not understand it. And, and, you know, Florida to me is the kind of place where cops would pull somebody over for a DUI and then find out that he had an emotional support snake. Except that 
That really happened two weeks ago in Fort Walton, Florida. You know, they did pull over a guy for a DUI, and he had a python in a car in the car, which he described as an emotional support snake. You can't write jokes about Florida. Florida has already told them. All right, so there's some things that are not a joke too. Um, although you will forgive me if I get. <laughs> I occasionally laugh when I'm talking about them. But um, so you may have seen 60 Minutes last night. There's a high probability you saw 60 Minutes because it you know, continues to be, I believe it's America's highest rated news program. People don't understand that, that, you know, um, this is a digression. But like, you know, Anderson Cooper, even Rachel Maddow, Sean Hannity, all those people, they're happy if they get two and, two and a half million people, three million people a night to listen to them. That's like a good night, you know. And then Rachel Maddow, once in a while, she's on a tear. She'll get up around four million. But, you know, like the ABC Evening News has eight million people who watch every night. And 60 Minutes gets 10 million people without even trying. If they have anything really interesting, they'll get, you know, 18, 19, 20 million people. Anyway, that's not what this is about. So they're, they're talking last night about the fact that um, in, in Florida, the vaccine rollout was complicated by a number of things. One of them was there were like uh, initially no residency requirements or anything. So just rich people would fly in. Like rich people even like from other countries <laughs> would just fly in and get vaccinated. Um, but beyond that, they did this incredible thing. Uh, they, they made this incredible move in the Palm Beach area. Um, but uh, to set this up a little bit, uh, Kat, we're going to do A1. Uh, this is a Sharon Alfonsi correspondent for 60 Minutes, uh, talking to Keith James, the mayor of Palm Beach, which is, by the way, not West Palm Beach. It's the less, it's the Palm Beach that doesn't really have any beachfront. Anyway, here's Keith James. People were saying, listen, this is uh, a resource and I know it's out there and I'm going to use whatever leverage I have to get that resource. There were no rules. It sounds like the Hunger Games. That's a pretty good way of putting it. And, and those who had the fiscal resources were going to use them in whatever way they could to get this vaccine. You know, I think if you're a 60 Minutes correspondent, I don't mean to tell them their business because they're highly esteemed. You got to sort of be careful with the sci-fi and fantasy references. Not everybody gets that. You know, I, I was watching that. I was wondering, I'm, I'm not sure Keith James has either seen or read. It's not, you, you can't just say, you know, it's, it's like in the second Lord of the Rings when they're like going to you know, Helm's Gate because they think they'll be safe there. And, you know, it turns out that Theoden was wrong. It's kind of a trap. But then, you know, you can't say things like that and just assume everybody's going to understand it. But anyway, the point being, rich people could just get the vaccines. And that's why it's like the Hunger Games, because in the Hunger Games, there are these, you know, tiers of pri privilege. Uh, and, and, you know, anyway, okay, you get it. You get the Hunger Games reference. So um, the thing that was incredible, well, first of all, let's just sort of see where that leads. Here's Sharon Alfonsi again, A2, just talking about what happens when A, uh, rich people just go in and get the vaccines, and B, there isn't an equitable system for di distributing the vaccines. There isn't even a plan to get vaccines to places where that that well, we're going to explain why there's a very specific problem. Actually, I'll explain it right now, which is that at a certain point in Palm Beach, they made the decision, and this is just mind-boggling to me. They made the decision. <laughs> this is the one of the times that I'm going to laugh. That that the primary dispenser of vaccines would be Publix. That's P-U-B-L-I-X, a supermarket chain. Uh, a supermarket chain, that's where you would go. You know, you you wouldn't go to the hospital. 
You know, it would be like if you lived around here and you couldn't get a shot at Yukon Health Center or St. Francis or Yale New Haven. You had to go to Stop and Shop <laughs> to get your COVID vaccine because the hospitals didn't have any. Only the supermarket did. Uh, and there, then there are some people who live more than, who are in this distribution area, but live 25 miles away from the nearest Publix and don't necessarily have a car to get there. And anyway, why should they be driving 25 miles? Anyway, here's um, uh, Sharon Alfonsi talking, and this is a two cat uh, to Florida State Representative Omari Hardy. At the beginning of this pandemic, black people, Hispanics people of color, we bore the full force of this pandemic, overrepresented in the hospitalizations, overrepresented in the deaths. And now on the back end of the pandemic, we're bearing the full force of it as well, because we don't have the same access to the vaccine. Some people have said that the minority community is distrusting of the vaccine and doesn't want the vaccine. What do you think of that narrative? That's an excuse for people who don't want to do the work required to ensure that the distribution of this vaccine is equitable. So if you want to make it worse, yeah, make it harder. It's There are going to be some analogies, uh, I think, between vaccine distribution and things like voter drop boxes. Like you look over at that Georgia law, you know, and, and and it's been done in other states too. It's like, let's make the, let's not have a lot of drop boxes. Let's make them harder to use. Let's make them harder to get to. Let's make certain things harder to get to, particularly for poor people, especially for poor people of color. Let's make them hard to get to, whether it's a drop box uh, or or whether it's a vaccine. Uh, and, and that is exactly what has happened in, in both places. Vastly disadvantaging uh, groups of people. I mean, when I first was reading about this, and there's a little sort of moment in the 60 Minutes report where they, they say something. They say, but as part of the program in Palm Beach County, most seniors could no longer get vaccine appointments through their public health departments. They had to go to Publix instead. So this this was a policy enacted by Governor Ron DeSantis, who we will get to in a second, who, by the way, wants to run for president. If you would like to turn America <laughs> into a place of emotional support sneaks uh, and spotty availability of vaccines and uh, ballot drop boxes, support Ron DeSantis for president in the next cycle because he is going to he does want to run anyway. So. Ron DeSantis had a COVID-19 vaccine, uh, vaccine distribution policy that shifted doses away from hospitals to other entities, including publics, which I believe in, uh, has one fourth uh, of the actual available doses. Uh, they, and it gets better than that. So this, once again, Publix is a grocery chain. It is a chain of supermarkets. Um, the, not only that, but... Um, they didn't have to tell anybody, didn't have to tell the state how they were distributing it, which stores would have what doses, nothing like that. They were not required to report anything to the state about how they were giving out these vaccinations, these life-saving, pandemic-halting vaccinations. All they had to do is, after they gave somebody a shot, they had to report that to the state. But they didn't. They had no accountability for what the plan was or, or anything like that. Now, that seems like it's giving an awful lot of power power to a supermarket chain in a time of a, pa of a pandemic. It just isn't something that we would let Big Y do here in Connecticut, not on that scale. 
So um, Sharon Alfonsi, the aforementioned Sharon Alfonsi from 60 Minutes, uh, was trying to figure out like, what's going on there. Why would why would that be happening? And so let's listening. Let's let's listening. Let's listening to uh, uh, clip A3, Kat. Publix, as you know, donated $100,000 to your campaign, and then you rewarded them with the exclusive rights to distribute the vaccination in so Palm Beach. So first of all, that, what you're saying is wrong. How, how is that not pay to that, play? That's a fake narrative. I met with the county mayor. I met with the administrator. I met with all the folks at Palm Beach County, and I said, here's some of the options. We can do more drive through sites. We can give more to hospitals. We can do the Publix. And they said, we think that would be the easiest thing for our residents. But Melissa McKinley, the county commissioner in the Glades, told us the governor never met with her about the public's deal. The criticism is that it's pay to play, governor. It's wrong. It's a fake narrative. I just disabused you of the narrative and you don't care about the facts because obviously I laid it out for you in a way that is irrefutable. And so it's clearly not. Isn't there the nearest public to the Glades is 30 miles away? That's actually a fact. All right. So a cat pastor just informed me she's getting her vaccine at Big Y. But it's like not the only place you could get it. Right. You could have gotten it at a hospital. Um, yeah. And you can pick up some you could pick up some hot pockets while you're there. Right. You get the vaccine, you get some hot pockets. She likes hot pockets. Um, all right. So. <laughs> OK, so there's that. OK, let's just park that one for a second. By the way, if you want to call in about anything, once again, the number 888-720-WNPR. But I can talk about Florida all day if I have to, or at least until 2 o'clock. Uh, 888-720-9677. Um, so, um, so that's one, one thing. Now, meanwhile, as you probably know, there's yet another thing going on in Florida, which is uh, the um, expected sudden breach, already cracks and leaks uh, in this wastewater pond, this enormous wastewater pond. Uh, and, and authorities in Florida say that uh, if, in fact, the worst case scenario, which is kind of the definition of Florida anyway, they should put that <laughs> they should put that on the license plates. Florida, the worst case scenario. Um, so, uh, but if the worst case scenario came true like a real massive breach, it could result in a 20-foot wall of water. And not just any water, mind you. So what the water that's in there is basically seawater uh, mixed with, and this is a quote uh, from uh, a, oh, a state website, mixed with legacy process water <laughs> and stormwater and runoff and rainfill. I would like to know... Legacy process water. I'm kind of wondering. I'm, I'm guessing that's not like, you know, Fiji or something like that. So legacy process water is in this wastewater pond. But that's not really the point. Uh, the point is it's incredibly unsafe there. So George Cruz, a Manatee County commissioner, said he was with a group of engineers surveying the reservoir when they determined, quote, it was no longer safe to be anywhere near Piney Point. That's where this pond is, the Piney Point Pond. Actually, it turns out there's more than one Piney Point Pond, but we'll come to that. Um, and then he said, we all kind of raced off the stacks as quick as we could. Okay, We'll explain what the stacks are in a second. They are essentially the thing that encloses this water. So his reaction and the reaction of the engineers was to run away <laughs> immediately. <laughs> um, so that's sort of how they're judging this. Meanwhile, the Manatee County Jail, which is quite nearby in the evacuation zone, their initial plan was, you know what? We're not going to evacuate the inmates. We'll just move them upstairs. 
uh, relocating inmates and staff members to upper levels of the facility was the, quote, best option right now. And that, quote, sandbags and other precautions were put in place around the jail property. This is the play around the place where it is not safe to be, where the engineers ran away when they realized what was happening. So they've since they've since the jail, by the way, is one mile away from this 77 acre pond that's about to explode. Um, and uh, anyway, they've since decided that they're going to evacuate 345 inmates from that jail. Now, the reason that they changed their mind was they thought it was a security problem just moving them up to the second floor. Not that like they didn't want everybody to die in a slurry of poison water. So um, there's stuff about this that you just – you couldn't make up if you wanted to. Um, this is um, – uh, a description of what's happening right now. Early Sunday, officials saw an increase of water leaking out, but hopes. Now, this is uh, the county administrator, the Manatee County Administrator Scott Hopes, who you'll, you will hear invoked several times here, and, and whose name is a complete sentence, and uh, whose name kind of sums up the situation. Scott Hopes. Scott, <laughs> Scott Hopes <laughs> that the situation doesn't get a lot worse. Uh, Four reasons I'm about to spell out. But anyway, he said the water running out on its own right now is going into Piney Point Creek and then into, are you ready for this, Cockroach Bay, an aquatic preserve in in Tampa Bay, north of the, in in Tampa Bay, north of the facility. You cannot make these things up. All right. So meanwhile, these stacks that are physically kind of enclosing the water uh, contain uh, – are made of uh, phosphogypsum, among other things, from this old mine that was there. And phosphogypsum contains and, – and prepare yourself for this particular phrase – appreciable quantities, unquote, of radioactive materials such as uranium and radium, according to the Federal Environmental Protection Agency. Um, the stacks can also release large concentrations of radon gas. So it's not so much that the well, – I mean, who knows about the water? The water has something weird in it, legacy process water or whatever it is. Uh, but if the whole thing goes kablooey, it's going to be washing out these stacks uh, that can release large concentrations of radon gas and have these appreciable qu- – I'm sort of wondering what appreciable – quantities are. Are these quantities which we would appreciate if we knew about them? Um, all right. So um, so here's Scott Hopes. If the uh, stacks were to completely collapse, what does that mean for the surrounding neighborhoods? That initial push of water would be very great. And if that wall were to give way, a full breach, then we're looking at life and human property damage as well. All right. So that, that was Jacob Sauer, actually, another Florida official. But um, one of the things that Scott Hopes said that I really loved was, and I'm probably going to do it a little bit like Kenneth the Page in 30 Rock, the pond is basically salt water. We saw, we saw ducks yesterday, and there are snooks, that's a fish, swimming around in there at sustaining wildlife. That is not the other case for the other two ponds. So there are two more ponds. They're like right there. There's a whole system of ponds apparently. I was trying – I spent quite a bit of time today trying to figure out um, like how many many of these wastewater ponds exist in Florida. And I couldn't really pin it down. But there are are more of them and there are at least two nearby that could conceivably – you know, there may be kind of a chain reaction uh, if the walls are destabilized in the other ponds. And according to the Florida Department of Environmental Protection Secretary Noah Valenstein, the, one of the other ponds has higher levels of metals. Quote, 
The radiologicals are still below surface water discharge standards, so again, this is not water we want to see leaving the site. All right, so... So why do people move to Florida again? I mean, keep in mind also, as climate change gets worse, all the things that are bad about climate change climate change, are going to be a, like way worse than Florida. You know, when they were talking about that caravan coming up towards the southern border of the United States, we're going to have a caravan of people who move to Florida trying to drive back up here to Connecticut uh, and, and try to reclaim their old land or something uh, because it's just not safe. Uh, all right, so um, here we go. Uh, the number is 888-720-9677. I have other stuff to talk about if need be, but it looks like people are calling in, and let us start with Carrie in Niantic. Uh, hold on a second. Hi, Carrie, uh, you're on the air. Hello, how are you? All right, how are you? I'm doing well today. I I thought it was interesting when your caller had mentioned um, or the the mayor, I guess, of Palm Beach, mm. that the, the closest place to get vaccinated was 30 miles from mm-hmm. from the location that or her residence of her area in the place. I, I traveled over 30 miles to get my vaccination. I'm an educator. And I really think it would have been phenomenal if I had the option to go to Stop and Shop or Big Y, like they're doing now, um, in order to get the vaccine. I I definitely had to travel farther out of my zone to get it, and um, and I had to essentially deal with the casino, and oh. <laughs> and I don't know if you know that is where we need to go to get our vaccines. Like all of a sudden, how the casino became the the ideal spot for Connecticut, <laughs> southeastern Connecticut seems a little. I don't know. It's a a fair question. I mean, it could be since they're—I assume this is kind of a mass vaccination site where they're they're handling kind of a a heavy, large group of people all at once. Yes. I I think it's a heavy, large group of people all at once, but I also think that they all had to travel, Mm -hmm. like, out of their their comfort zone. I was— over 30, over 30 miles away from the casino, and um, as were many of my colleagues. Right. And um, I don't know, it also felt, it, it, there's definitely the, um, it made me feel as though the, the pay to get vaccinated uh, philosophy would, would be working at the casino. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I don't know the details of that particular arrangement. I mean, obviously, there's in all states, there's been kind of a patchwork system that works well for some people, not for other people. Uh, I found getting on just that that regular federal website, uh, it worked pretty quickly for me. Um, I was able to sign up right away. I got vaccinated at St. Francis Hospital, which is across the street from where I'm sitting right now, but also, you know, five minutes, a five minute drive from where I actually live. Uh, so it works differently. But I, I, I would say about this, yes, it, it's fine if Kat gets her vaccine at Big Y and some other people get them at CVS. But you don't want that to be the only system in place, you know, and, and you don't you certainly don't want one grocery store chain 
having essentially all the vaccination opportunities for one geographical area. That doesn't seem right. And it shouldn't be a a chain that was a major donor to the campaign of the governor who's making this decision, too. Uh, Here's Zach, uh, and then we're going to take a break after him. But hi, Zach. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. I just got my vaccine about 20 minutes ago. Uh, I grew up in Connecticut. I lived abroad for a bunch of years. I just moved back from Italy right before, like weeks before the pandemic broke out. Mm-hmm. Um, and over there, the vaccine conversation isn't even isn't even on the table. And people are you know, the syndicates over there are kind of they're they're lying about the shot records to open up and close zones and everything. But yeah, I just got by that uh, CVS. I have a few friends who have been going to places like Pennsylvania who don't have a residency requirement. And uh, but I was able to get my I had to drive an hour, but I personally don't mind. But uh, it's I, I don't know. I, I was speaking to my friends on the way abroad over there, and this this is already. Um, it's it's a lot less of a stronghold on the situation over here than at least it is over there. Oh yeah, um, no, I, bet. I I totally agree that no one no one supermarket or company should 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 have this this amount of power. Right. You know, so, it, it um, what kind? Which vaccine did you get? I got the Pfizer. I oh, I did. The first one and my second one is on the twenty sixth. Okay. Uh, we're not supposed to talk about this. But because uh, okay. I get the I get the Pfizer too. But after the second one, uh, you will have the ad- ability to fly for short distances. It don't, doesn't last all that long, but you know, for about a week anyway, you you will have you will be able to fly. Uh, but like only you know quarter mile, half mile, something like that. Don't overdo it. All right, we're gonna take a break, and then we'll be back. Before we go to the phone calls and Bob, you're going to be first. Um, but I'll just do a couple of plugs here just because I just – a lot of you, if you're listening to the podcast or listening at some strange time, you wouldn't have heard the two promos that I just heard. But I'm just going to plug these things anyway. Uh, Audacious with Cayenne Wolf is – I now tell people, to my own disadvantage, I tell people, if you have one hour a week to listen to this radio station, you should listen to Audacious with Cayenne Wolf. It's, it's that good. Uh, and if you don't have time to listen for a whole hour, listen to the most recent episode, the one about billboards. Just listen to the last – it's about 18 minutes, I think. Uh, it's an interview with Father Ed Nadalny, and it is a completely remarkable interview. This is a person I uh, knew many, many years ago in, like in the late 70s. He's, he's 88 years old right now. And it's also kind of made more poignant by the fact that Kayone, uh, and she makes no secret of this and has talked about it on my show, she's an atheist. Um, so uh, the way that she and uh, – it's very moving. He cried. I cried. You'll cry. It's just great. And then also, uh, This American Life, I don't know, to me, they're still the gold standard. Uh, I just heard a promo for the show that they did. It's a rebroadcast, I believe, about amateurs. And that the first segment about this army, uh, this, this these kind of army productions that you blended musical theater and warnings about sort of personal safety and not getting in motorcycle accidents is both hilarious and incredibly upsetting, which is something that they do very well. You kind of get two different feelings going in a segment. Uh, really recommend that one too. So, you know, just get out your podcast thing and catch up with both of those. You don't have to wait for them to you know, be on the air. All right. Here's Bob in Mattituck, Long Island. Hi, Bob. 
Hi. Great, great to talk to you, Colin. First time caller. I just want to let you know, I'm going to ask you a question at the end of this, and I guarantee you, you will get the answer right. Okay. I spent over scores of years dealing with small banks and insurance companies around the country, and they had various qualities. In New York State, for example, the insur- many, many insurance companies get regulated in 50 states, but not New York because New York requires such good attention to uh, detail in its regulation. But if you go down south, it gets a little bad, but there's only one state in the union that elects its banking and insurance company uh, commission so that you can maximize the amount of corruption. What state <laughs> is that? I'm guessing it rhymes with Schmorida. Yes, very good. And you, you're just a whole career would would teach you to avoid buying insurance companies' uh, products out of Florida. Yes, so that's really true. They elect. I mean, use almost everything. It's 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 a sad commentary, Bob. But so many things when you find out that a regulator, or even I think to a certain degree, district attorneys and stuff like that, it you know, and judges, uh, the, for the most part, we I mean, we do our best to elect halfway decent uh, leaders uh, to Congress and, and to the presidency and our governors and stuff like that. Uh, we get mixed results, you know? but most of these other things that require a certain level of expertise and a certain level of of, of resistance to political pressure and economic pressure, it's not a good idea to elect them. <laughs> no. Yeah. New York, where I live, is about the worst in the country <laughs> in terms of electing unqualified local judges. Oh, there you go. All right. So uh, so another point of pride there. Well, Bob, uh, thanks so much for joining us and uh, making that uh, phone call to us. Uh, the number, 888-720-WNPR. You can call about almost anything. Don't ask me hard questions. 888. No, you can ask me a hard question. 888-720-9677. Once again, 888-720-WNPR. 888-720-9677. I've got yet another Florida story to tell you if things get dull. But, you know, they might not. All right, here's John who's itching for a fight. Uh, Hi, John. You're on the air. Hi, Colin. How are you today? Good. I'm fine. Good. I'm not really itching for a fight, but I do think it's pretty obvious why people move to Florida. It's a vibrant economy. It has reasonable taxation. Um, the real estate prices are rising, mm-hmm. and its population is growing, unlike Connecticut's, whose population continues to shrink due to penal tax policies. And if you want to talk about corruption and things like that, great. Let's talk about the Metropolitan District Authority. The MDC has gone to monthly billing with water because it's so expensive to buy water here. And why? Because for 30 years, they neglected to upgrade the system. So now they've had to go through a massive upgrade mandated by the EPA. And all the people who are on on MDC water are paying a very heavy price. Uh, You won't get any argument from me. I mean, first of all, I don't think... Uh, stuff like water should be under the control of what is essentially a quasi-public. You know, it's it's not a full government agency, uh, but it's not also a private entity. Uh, it, it makes it really, really hard to get responsiveness out of the or get one through. Point, yeah. One point on NBC yeah. before, I, before I leave. I wanted to drill a well on my property to water my grass mm-hmm. because in most places you have an outside usage and an inside usage for water because the outside obviously doesn't use the sewer system, but not MDC. Every gallon you use, if you put it on your uh, laundry bathtub, is taxed at the same rate with a sewer rate. I'm not allowed to drill a well on my own property because of MDC's laws. 
can't get a contractor to come in and drill. It's illegal. Right. Well, you need a permit or something, right? No, no. You just, cannot get a permit. Hmm. It is illegal to drill a well within MDC's. Oh. Uh, <laughs> if you're on MD, if you're on MDC water, you yeah. can't drill a well. I can't, All right. You know, I, I don't. I, I I believe you, and I as I say, uh, I've had problems with MDC over the years. Now it's sort of it's funny that you're the thing that you said at the beginning uh, about after how they have to charge more for water. Uh, you may recall that a few years ago they took the position that they had such an incredible surplus of water, so much water that they decided to sell it to a bottling company and to allow a bottling company to set up an operation. Uh, you know, adjacent to a, a reservoir. Uh, I, was thinking, I think it was up in Bloomfield. Uh, but their position then was that in order, I mean, everybody's going, what? You're going to sell your water to a, and to put in plastic bottles for people to buy? That's our water. It's not your water. Uh, and they thought, oh, no, no, in order to keep your rates down, John, we're going to sell the water to a private bottling company so they can sell it in Big Y where you can go to get your COVID vaccine. Anyway, I heard you were itching for a fight. I'm very disappointed. Uh, you seem very civil. We have an $80 billion unfunded pension and health care liability in this state that gotta no do, one addresses. Got to do something about it. Totally agree. Uh, I actually think this is Ned Lamont's big chance to, to do that. Uh, if he can do it and if he can make a big footprint with it um, he, he, and he wants to run again, which he appears to want to do next year, uh, he can win an election, but not if he doesn't significantly address that problem. So. It, well, that was not itching for a fight, Ian. We agreed about everything. Uh, all right, here's David in Glastonbury. Hi, David. You're on the air. Uh, hi, Colin. Great show. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, great. I just want to tell you my experience today at the north end of Hartford mm-hmm. at uh, Parker Memorial Community Center Yeah. where I went to get my COVID shot. Yeah. I had an 11 o'clock appointment. Mm-hmm. I showed up there, and I count, and I got in line. And I saw the amount of people in line, and I counted them because I had so much time. 133 people, all snaked in, waiting to get a shot. Mm. And I show up there on time, Mm. but at my appointed time, and there's all these people in front of me. This isn't at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It's at 11 o'clock in the morning today. That's bad. I, I I really I really think if you miss your appointment, mm-hmm. you got to go to the end of the line. Yep. Because people have to work; they have to get back to work. They can't stand there because somebody was late. Right. And they're still going to take them. I, I agree. It's really not fair. Yeah, I agree, and I I can't defend what happened to you. I, I do think one of the things that's happening here is. You know, with everything involving the pandemic, we're kind of building a bridge while we're trying to walk across it at the same time. And and I mean, I, I certainly didn't have any experience like that at St. Francis Hospital. I got both of my vaccinations there. And I mean, I didn't wait at all, timely fashion, all that kind of stuff. So, um, but, you know, maybe not everybody is, is good at que- queuing theory and stuff like that. It, it sounds like uh, that you're probably right. If people show up late, uh, they can't make everybody else late. So sorry that happened to you, though. I, you know, I feel your vaccine waiting pain. Um, uh, it's just terrible to be in line for two hours for any particular reason. All right, let's do Victoria, and then we will take another break. Uh, here is Victoria in New Haven. Hi, you're on the air. Hey there, Colin. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I, okay, so I don't want you to go away from the show disappointed, so I will, I will uh, pick that site okay. that you were looking for, not with you, okay. but with People in general, and particularly commentators, mm-hmm. 
who start talking about the stuff we're talking about today and then ask, how could this be happening? How could anyone have let this? How, why is this happening? We know damn well why this is happening. Why is it happening? We allow people, all of the crazy political words I'm not allowed to say on the air, so I'll just call it nonsense, um, because we no longer, if we ever really did, I mean, there's always been corruption in politics, but what happened to requirements for people to run for office or to be elected to office? Anyone can run. But what happened to intelligence, integrity, um, experience, education, vision, any of those things, leadership ability? Why is it now? Well, I, I don't even want to ask my own question. We know why. It's about money, mm-hmm. purchasing elections from a populace that is willing to listen to anything they find interesting or exciting or titillating or that agrees with whatever they believe. True, false, crazy or not, whatever they believe. So the political advertising, um, you know, I think that the solution, I'll just cut to the chase. I think the solution is to take the money out of politics, that everyone has got to have a budget that comes from uh, the, the, the uh, public funding and, you know, can be matched by small donors only, uh, take away the corporate right to claim personhood. I mean, just the sound of that, okay? Mm-hmm. Corporations are people in the United States. Corporations are people. Let that sink in. Yeah. Well, that's good. that's all a su- of course. That that's part of a Supreme Court ruling, so it's not going to be an easy thing uh, to uh, to reverse. Um, it was the Supreme Court who basically said that, at least in terms of speech, corporations are people, their rights to speech are protected in a comparable way. But look, I, I agree with you about a lot of it, although there's a thing that I sometimes call the narcissism of the present moment, where we always think things are way worse now than than they ever were. And the truth is, you know, this has been a problem for a really long time. I mean, you know, go back and watch some of the speeches and behaviors uh, and declarations of, I don't know, Strom Thurmond. You know? <laughs> I mean, there, there have always been bad elected officials and stupid elected, elected officials and corrupt elected officials uh, and uh, an oppressive, racist, uh, uh, opportunistic elected officials. Uh, I think you are right, though, that the difference is we have a higher toleration for it now that, I mean, I didn't even get to. I was going through all the ills of Florida, I didn't even get to Matt Gates before people called up. But um, but yes, I, there, it does seem worse right now, and it also seems worse because we participate in it. And yes, we elected a president who, who had no qualifications uh, to be president and who was mainly familiar to people as the host of a reality show uh, and, and was really, really good at television because he'd been on a reality show. Uh, and and yeah, that's an indication of the level of thought and reflection that, that does result in really terrible leaders. All right. I'm being told I have to take a break. I could actually talk about this subject at greater length, though. The one thing that I will say, Victoria, is this, that it's also not the case that this is an inflexible, unchangeable situation. And look at some of the reactions to the voter law in Georgia. Look at the fact that major league sport, a major league sport, baseball, maybe the least evolved 
and enlightened of Major League Sports pulls its um, its All Star game. Not only its All Star game, but they were going to have the draft there and stuff like that. And so anyway, pulls out. You're getting major corporations coming down hard uh, on on Georgia for these election laws, and and you're you may have an unintended consequence from these repressive uh, election laws that are designed to cut down on the number of people who vote. More people may vote just be just out of sheer orneriness and cussedness uh, and a refusal to be treated this way. So uh, it'll be interesting to see the tail of the tape, you know, uh, the next election cycle uh, in 2022 and especially in 2024. What happens in Georgia? Or, I mean, in fact, yeah, because these uh, the the Senate seats are going to roll up pretty fast here. Well, we'll we'll get a sense. But um, it could be that this is, you know, this is the kind of thing that people don't take lying down. Uh, and we've already seen from the last cycle that, for example, in Georgia, people didn't like being pushed around. And look what happened. All right. We got to take a break. Susan and Michael are on their way back from Manatee County, and they are only mildly radioactive. So I think it would be fun to talk to them. All right. We are back. Time for me to say some thank yous. I'm here in the studio with the uh, inimitable cat pastor. Are you, is, is it today you're going to Big Y? When are you going to Big Y? Tomorrow. Tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow the Big Y. So uh, she's going to get um, uh, vaccinated and pick up some Hot Pockets. They should give you a free Hot Pocket. With the, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to say this to Big Y. I know you're listening. <laughs> I know you're listening, Big Y. You should give Cat a free, hot po- free box of Hot Pockets. She likes the uh, the ham and cheese ones, the croissant style. Um, all right. So, uh, and thanks also to Betsy Kaplan, who is the senior producer uh, and does not uh, eat Hot Pockets ever for any reason. Uh, she's the senior producer of the Colin McEnroe Show, producer of this episode. Uh, and we got all kinds of interesting things coming up for you this week. So hang with us. So I promised you, Susan and Michael, on their way back from Manatee County, here they are. Is it both of you? Are you both on the phone? Yes. Okay. You get us both. Yes. So we tell are sitting in a rest area, rest area number at uh, mile seventy on Interstate eighty four. Yeah. On our way, reverse um, snowbirds. Yeah. We spent the last five months in Manatee County, um, amazed, appalled, and interested uh, in a variety of things. Uh, we are not Ron DeSantis fans, yeah. but I will say. One thing in his favor, mm-hmm. public, the public supermarkets were not the only game in town. There were about three or four different channels, poorly organized. Mm-hmm. They're great. Um, the great entertainment for seniors in Florida in January and February was hitting refresh keys repeatedly. Callous on your fingers mm-hmm. uh, in the usually failed attempt to secure um, any kind of reservation for a vaccine. Manatee County um, had what was actually a remarkably fair system. They said, hey, we have a sign up and we're going to do it 
as a lottery. Um, Saratoga County next door said we have a sign up and you get a place in the line. So, you know, we were number 15,607 in Saratoga. We eventually got that shot. I just want to say about the Publix thing, just to just to contextualize it for people a little bit. What is remarkable about the Publix thing is Publix is the state's largest, single largest vaccine supplier and receives nearly a quarter of Florida's available doses without providing state officials a store-specific distribution plan ahead of time. They don't have to tell the state anything about what they're going to do with it. They could give them all out at one place and none of the other places or you know, not give them out at you know stores that they don't think are right. Forming well, they don't have to tell anything, and they've got a quarter of the vaccine doses. That's pretty amazing. Anyway, you have the floor. Visibility was lousy. Yeah, I can. I could actually tell you a couple of stories of trying to reserve a slot at Publix mm-hmm. because the calluses on my middle finger are from Publix attempts. Mm. And you would dial in. You maybe got. And then there were a slot, as in a phone spot. There were um, six initially, and then 12, and then 13 or 14 counties that had publics where they had vaccines. So you would pick one, which might or might not be close to you, and they'd say, great, here's a slot that's opened up. Put in your reservation information. By the time you got your reservation information in, they might say, whoops. That slot's gone. Put your reservation information in again. Starting all over. It wouldn't roll over. Anyway, let me bring Ron DeSantis into this manatee. Because A, Publix is a very conservative management and conservative ownership and a big supporter of DeSantis. Mm -hmm. True. DeSantis says, we're going to have a couple of pop-up clinics in Saratoga and Manatee, Sarasota and Manatee counties. And where are we going to have these pop-up clinics? We're going to do them in a couple of developments. Gee, which developments? They happen to be developments owned by guys who are major contributors to which politician? I think a pattern, Michael, a pattern is starting to emerge. I don't mean to cut you short, and I like the way Susan's in the background kind of correcting him about stuff, but I want to get one more call on the air. It is from somebody who successfully escaped from uh, from Florida with only just a few water moccasin bites. Uh, He's fine now. His name is Mike. He's in Roxbury. Hi, Mike. Hey, Rick Collin. How are you? Just fine. Okay, was uh, I just want to say that I grew up in Florida in the late '60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, graduated from in Jacksonville from Robert E. Lee High School, and after I got out of there, I ran out of that state. <laughs> it was uh, rape and pillage, even back then. Okay, absolutely terrible. I started surfing early on, and. All the building and everything that they just destroyed that state. You go on and take a look at uh, Google Earth and see how they are going to supply fresh water to all the people that are in that state mm-hmm. beyond me. Yeah. Well, the, probably some for some of the wastewater ponds, maybe. I, I don't know. Actually, they are really good at reusing water. All right. Well, uh, thanks for your call. I didn't get a chance. And, and, and Mike will enjoy this. I didn't get a chance to mention the one of the stories I had on my list for today, which is um, 
a guy named Gary Kirby. Uh, he's got uh, a bar on Florida's what they call Florida's Space Coast. <laughs> I like that Florida has a Space Coast. It's the West Side Sports Bar and Lounge, uh, and so he um, took the step of banning masks from his bar during the pandemic. So no masks. You're not allowed. It's not a question of he's not going to obey the mask mandate. He's not going to require masks. He has. He banned masks. He told nobody could uh, nobody could wear masks. Uh, uh, ignored uh, all the lockdown rules uh, of his locality, which is West Melbourne, Florida, uh, and paid no price for it whatsoever. What he got in trouble for was in the middle of all that, uh, he had uh, some kind of a male strip show without a license. It says without a license. I guess you have a license for a male strip show. Uh, and he says that it's all blowback against his no mask policy, although why they wouldn't just fine him for that, I, I wouldn't understand. He said there's nothing sexual. There were no genitals involved. Actually, the West, I believe, according to the account in the Washington Post, the Westbourne, West Melbourne of Florida undercover team took videos uh, of the strip show in question, and there were genitals involved. Because according to the Washington Post, I, I can't verify this. But, um, but in any case, even if West Melbourne had wanted to fine him, last month, uh, Ron DeSantis, the aforementioned Ron DeSantis, waived all fines issued to businesses for violating their local government's coronavirus rules. So had this guy, I mean, that's probably why they arrested him for the strip show, because if they had tried to fine him for not obeying the local mask ma- mask ordinances, Ron DeSantis waived all fines <laughs> that were imposed by local governments. All right. It's fine. You know what? You live in Florida. Go to Florida if you want to. You know, and, and I'm sure the real estate's really cheap. You'll have a wonderful time until something really horrible happens to you. Meanwhile, thanks for listening today. Thanks for all the help uh, from Cat Pastor and Bitsy Kaplan. And uh, we've got stuff coming up. I don't I feel uncomfortable telling you what's coming up this week because what if I'm wrong? 